Well, I'd like to uh, welcome everyone here today. What a privilege to come to the house of the Lord and to hear from His Word. There are so many other places we could go, but we'd never get the blessing that we do by coming here. So this morning, I'd like to talk to us a little bit about listening. It's one of the most important most important things I think we can do, I think we need to listen to the message this morning, listen to what Bart has to say, and it is only through listening and hearing that we can use it to guide our lives in the days ahead. So in Romans ten seventeen, it says, faith, which is an important part of our lives, because it is only through faith that we, that we can follow the word of God, comes from hearing the message. So let's listen to the message this morning. And as we go through the days ahead, we can live a more full life in the Lord. In Revelations 3.20, it says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Now, I've wondered how loud that knock really is. Is it a loud knock or is it a soft knock? I think probably it's more of a softer knock, and then it is our duty to listen to that knock. And it says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. So... What a privilege that is. The Lord will come into our hearts and guide us, and it's only through the Lord's guidance can we really follow his word. So when, he, when we allow him to come in, he will in and eat, and that, and, the, and that person, and they with me. I don't, I don't have that quite right, but anyway... It's very important that we hear that knock. Um, I had a little bit of an experience the other day at, at work on Monday morning. There's a therapist that I work with that doesn't have the best language in the world. And sometimes it's hard to listen to it. So she went off on one of her talks using terrible language. And then she got around to asking me what I had done over the weekend. So I said, well, on Saturday morning, I went to a breakfast at church. And I said on Sunday morning, I went to Sunday school and then to church. And her comment was, boy, you kind of lived on the edge, didn't you? And you know, if you stop and think about that, it is living on the edge, but it's living on the edge on God's edge. And just think, when he comes, we can fall right off into that glorious home in heaven, which is really what we're all striving for. So one of the most important things I think we can do in the days ahead is to listen. Listening really is not, not all that easy to do. Uh, I have trouble with that. 
If you're listening to someone, do you hear them completely through? Do you hear everything they're having to say? Or do we revert back to ourselves and, and uh, think of things, how we're going to answer their question without really uh, listening to what they have to say? In uh, Proverbs 18.13, he who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and a shame to him. So we need to keep that in mind. If, if we speak before the end of the conversation, then it is a uh, folly to us. I know a lot of times when people are talking, they don't really give their true feeling till towards the end of the conversation. So if we cross, if we've crossed over the track and started talking before that happens, then we have not listened to them. And if you just are in a crowd of people and listen to the conversation and everyone's talking at once and a lot of people, I don't think that's so much true with us, but a lot of people don't listen what is said. So, one message is, is it's listening is easy, but do we really listen or are we forming an opinion before hearing all of what has really been saying, being said? Faith comes from hearing and not activity. So we need to sit there quietly and listen to people and hear them out. In Galatians, it says, hearing with faith accents the achievement of Christ and is a channel of grace. So until we are able to hear the word of God and to learn to have faith in what the Bible says, then we can have a channel for toward grace. And that's one of the most important things there is. Mike talked a little bit in Sunday school this morning about grace. And it's one of the most important things we, we can have. We, can't, we can try all we can to do things our way, but until we believe in grace, it comes to no avail. There's uh, six lessons here in good listening. Good listening requires patience. We have to be patient in listening to the other person. We have to be careful that we don't let our mind wander and not really listen to what they're saying or formulating a response before they are done. In other words, we rebound to ourselves. And they've started talking and all of a sudden we're already thinking about the answer we're going to give and haven't heard them out. Do we reject the other person's point of view? Sometimes that happens a lot. I have a neighbor that likes to listen to CNN, and I think that's uh, mainly his main focus in life is to get in the truth. And we all know CNN is far from the truth. They give false stories, and we 
It just shows you that we cannot listen to men that are not believers. Uh, John 8.32 says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Just think of that feeling. We're, we can be free. We're not tied to lies or other conversation. Uh, we're not tied to doing what man says. But we were tied to what God says. And we all know from the truth projects that God is truth. His word never changes. And it always stays the same. And what a blessing that we know that we can follow God's word and always be on the right track. We need to be able to hear the whole train of thought all the way to the, to the end before crossing the tracks. Number two, good lessing, listening is an act of God, uh, love. Partly listening despises the brother. It is only waiting for a chance to speak, to speak our mind. But we've got to listen to what is being said. Philippians says that it flows from the humble heart that counts others more significant than ourselves. Isn't that a hard thing to do, to believe that everyone else knows more than we do? And by having a humble heart, we can make that happen. Because other people have opinions also, and sometimes their opinions are better than ours. Good listening acts per, asks perceptive questions. Pro, Proverbs 18.2 A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart discovers itself. So we want a, another reason why we should listen. A man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. You can watch for nonverbal communication. Don't interrogate or pry, but listen to the, what the person is having to say. I had another experience at the hospital one day where I got a report that a man was not very cooperative with what was being done. They'd put him on a BiPAP mask and he kept ripping it off during the night. Well, when I walked in there that morning to his room, the, his nurse had just walked out and the first thing he said to me was, there goes the Gestapo. And uh, I know that nurse pretty well and he's just opinionated and uh, he expects everybody to listen to what he says and he probably wasn't listening to me very much so I got to talking to him and come to find out he had claustrophobia and therefore when that mask went on it made him scared and he was uh, felt suffocating and he also was a little worried he says I'm just not getting better I'm still on he was still on hundred percent oxygen and had been for several days 
So I listened to him, listened to what he had to say, and pretty soon he started, that's when he started uh, in confiding what was wrong. Now I don't know what happened that night, whether he, I tried to convince him it'd be better if he wore that mask, but I wasn't there, so I don't know what happened, but I noticed a few days later his uh, amount of oxygen he was getting was going down, so apparently he uh, was starting to feel a little better, which I was thankful for. One thing, we cannot have a quiet time with God if we're always talking. So we not need to we need to concentrate on the on God's word, listen to his word. In the message this morning that's going to be spoken, if our mind is wandering to our daily affairs, we won't get very much out of the sermon. So let's uh, make sure we listen. Let's uh, shut off our cell phones. I've noticed many a time sitting in the department in the morning, people are talking and everyone's on their cell phones. So they're really not hearing a word that's being said. So let's try to to remember that as we move forward in our lives. So I think that's uh, all I have to say at this time. I am going to ask for prayer requests, so if anyone has those prayer requests, why we can take those at this time. Anyone? Well, we all know there's a lot of things to pray for. There's a lot of people that are sick with COVID, very sick. So we can certainly uh, remember all those people and uh, pray for those people so Bill would you mind saying prayer
Thank you for that inspiring opening, John. I think it's James that says that we are to be swift to hear and slow to speak. And I need that as a reminder uh, every day of my life. It does have an effect on prayer requests, though, I noticed. When you tell people to be quiet, then <laughs> it's not real normal to not have prayer requests. And yet, I, I'm like John, I trust that everyone had those requests on their hearts. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5 for the reading of the text this morning. Galatians chapter 5, begin reading in verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lascivishness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, 
as I have also told you in time past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. I'd like to highlight verse 16, walk in the Spirit. Verse 18, be led of the Spirit. Verse 25, live in the Spirit. The title of this morning's message is simply Walking with God. And as I've thought about this, and even this morning, Satan tried to again twist my thoughts, saying things like, well, that's, that's generic. You know, it's not really much of a striking title, possibly. Walking with God. And yet, the, the more that I dwelt on that this week, I really don't know as a message going to someone who has not publicly confessed Jesus Christ, is there anything more important than to draw them to a walk with God and to believers who have possibly walked with God for a long time, is there really anything more important this morning than to draw us to a closer walk with Him? And so really, simple or not, it's really a profound title this morning. I've had to learn to walk three times. in my life. And if you grew up with me, maybe you're my age or older, you might remember. Most of you wouldn't. But when I was probably around a year old, like most of you, I learned to walk as a toddler. My parents say that I was rather chubby chunky. In fact, my nickname, I guess, then was Porky. That's something you didn't know. But somehow, as a toddler, we, you know, I, I began to learn how to balance that chub and learn how to put one foot in front of the other and with some time, and of course, I don't remember this, but with some time, I learned that walking was really the best, most efficient way to get from point A to point B and get into something. I learned to walk at around a year old. The second time I learned to walk was when I was about eight years old. 
and this you may not know. So, when I was five, I developed a disease in my hip called Perthes disease, or some pronounce it Perthes disease. A fluid had developed around the hip ball and socket in my left leg, my left hip, softening the bone of that ball and socket. And I began to walk with a limp. It began to hurt. I would swing my left leg wide. And so parents being concerned, they took me to our doctor who was concerned and sent me to a specialist, Dr. Gibson in Richmond, Indiana. I don't know why it's so emotional, <laughs> but um, yeah, so he said if I put weight, continued weight on that softened socket, and over time, that fluid would go away, that the body would absorb that fluid, and over time, if I had put weight on that, and the ball and socket became uh, disformed, then I would have permanent hip damage because the ball would no longer be round. And so he gives me a sling and a pair of crutches and so for almost three years I wore crutches. And of course that was an important time in a kid's life. My friends were learning to ride bikes. I couldn't clutch the farm tractor, sports, lots of things. But my parents says that I, I actually adapted real well, as children do, and I, I was able to do things other kids couldn't do because I had three legs, two of them being long. I could outrun most children my age, um, not bragging, but by some distance I could actually win races. Um, but the time finally came when uh, my, my condition uh, had gotten better and Dr. Gibson had x-rayed and he said I could now put weight on that left leg. And I, I was looking forward to that day. But I, put, I remember putting my foot down and I couldn't put any weight on that leg. I mean, it, it had been, you know, idle for almost three years. Muscle tone was pretty well gone. My other leg had outgrew my left leg by an inch and a half. And I remember going home and my, well, my dad had been remodeling our house and it was time for carpet. And in the large living room, there was a big roll of carpet, probably this big around. And I walked in with my crutches and sat on that roll of carpet. And my family was at the other end, just cheering me on and I couldn't walk. Eight years old. My dad, you know, finally gets up and helps me. It was really a joyful time. I don't know why I'm crying, but I learned how to walk again at eight years old. And then, even more emotionally, the third time I began to walk, like, like many of you, 
around 20 years old, confessed my sins to God, submitted my life to Jesus Christ, thus began my walk in the Spirit. As you can tell, those are very special times in my life. One-year-old, eight-year-old, and 20 years old. October 4th, 1981, I was baptized. Seems like yesterday, it was 40 years ago. I began my walk with God. He brought me to River Jordan. He led me across the water and he introduced me to a land called Cana. Not only did he save my soul at that time, but he also gave me the Holy Spirit. And I'm here today to testify that that Spirit has never left me. My life has not been easy at times. I've seen valleys. I've seen rough roads. I've seen disappointments. I've been discouraged at times. But God has never left me. His Spirit has always been with me. He has never left me. He has never forsaken me. He has been by my side every step of the way. And I can honestly say this morning that walking with God, though it has not been easy, the joys have far outweighed the disappointments. And I thank Him this morning for never leaving and never forsaking for 40 years. Now, that's enough about me. I'm interested in you this morning and your journey, your walk with God. I believe everybody here today and those that are listening, everyone is on a journey. And possibly we're at all different stops, different places on our journey. So where are you on your journey with God, your walk with God? And I want you to think about that as the message is presented this morning because I intend to give time at the end for some testimony or confession or where God has taken you or praise reports in your life. And so the next little while is a time for listening, like John said, but there may be a time for speaking uh, at the end. Where are you on your journey? Where are you in your walk with God? Are you in the wilderness? Or are you in Cana, walking with God? The wilderness was a place of wandering. 
You know, God, God never really intended that the children of Israel would spend 40 years in the wilderness wandering around. From Egypt up to Cana, I'm told, is really about a 10 to 12 day foot journey. And yet, because of their stubbornness, their negativity, their rejection to God, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. God was faithful. God continued to lead. He did not leave them. But by their own desire, I'll say, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. God is calling every one of us not only to River Jordan for our salvation, but God is calling us to cross, to step in that water in faith and to cross and to walk with Him in Canaan. I appreciated last Sunday's sermon so much as Clem talked about when we're walking in Canaan, are we dwelling on the giants or are we dwelling on the grapes, the fruit, and what God can do? Maybe you are in Canaan walking with God, but you're experiencing struggles, disappointments, discouragement, hurt. Again, walking with God is not a walk in the park. Walking with God is not always easy. But again comes the promise of His Holy Spirit that He will always be with us. In our hurts, we can find healing. In our discouragements, we can find encouragement. God is always there. And just like I feel like He has walked with me and never left me, for 40 years, the same is true for every believer. That comes by promise. He is with us every step of the way. When life is foggy, He can give us sight, He can give us vision, and He can give us purpose. I love the study of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the theology of the Holy Spirit. But as you can see today, I'm not going to go there. I, I have prayed uh, multiple times putting this message together. Just, Lord, will you help me to keep this message simple? Help, help this message to relate with everyone that is on a journey with you, regardless of where they're at, and draw your people towards you and encourage them in their journey. Because again, I don't know where all of you are at. I know some of your stories. But I know some of you are struggling. I know some of you may be hurting. Some of you may be resisting God. And I just pray that, that God will call you, again, not only just 
to River Jordan for your salvation, but that He will call you into Canaan where you can live with Him and you can walk with Him for the rest of your life. So there's a lot of a lot of scriptures we could go to, a lot of passages concerning our walk with God. We find in scripture encouragement in our walk. We find chastisement. We find direction. We find leading. Lots of different passages, and I wrote down many. But today I'm just going to dwell on the first two, and that is here in Galatians Chapter 5, verse 16, walk in the Spirit. Be led of the Spirit, verse 18, and live in the Spirit, verse 25. And then verse 24 catches my, my eye. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And that would lead us to Romans chapter 6. If you care to turn there, as we think about walking with God, walking in the Spirit. Romans chapter 6, I think I'll just read several verses. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized unto Jesus Christ, were baptized unto His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died into sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And it goes on and says, Likewise, claim this for yourself, that you be crucified with Christ, buried and risen again with Him. Likewise, do not continue in sin, but live a life with God. And I think what Paul is specifically addressing here is at one time we lived a life of sin. Now we've come to Christ. Why are we continuing to walk that way? It's describing two different walks here in Romans chapter 6. And Paul is calling us when we've, given, when we've really given our life to Jesus Christ that in faith we can identify with Him in His death in His burial, and in His resurrection. And we can, through this, walk in newness of life. In the life, the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. 
and this is so critical that we at least partially understand when we begin our walk with God that we first identify with Jesus Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. And when I say identify, I'm, I'm simply saying that we put ourselves there. Because there are a lot of Christians who see this passage as a great idea. There are many Christians who see this as a perfect concept. But very few of us actually identify with it. Um, I might just illustrate like this. So Christ's death, burial, and resurrection becomes a great thought. And, and maybe you've been there, maybe you're still there. I think everybody in the room here this morning believes in Jesus, believes that Jesus died, that He rose again. It's, it's in our minds. We know that. Most people that you talk to here in our locality, if you was to ask them if, if they believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, they would. It is a complete different truth. To put it in our heart. And this is where faith comes in. Because we must believe it to be true in our life. We must believe it to be real. And that's where the identification comes of us actually believing that when Jesus died, I died with Him. When Jesus was buried, my sins my past sins were buried with Him. Remember the grave clothes that bound Him up? They stayed in the grave. The sin that binds me, whatever it is that binds me and confines me, stayed in the grave with the buried Jesus. But when Jesus rose on the third day in the power of the resurrection, Paul is saying here specifically in Romans chapter 6 that I rose with him and I can now live in the power of the resurrection. I no longer live as I once lived. I now can live in the power of the resurrection giving me a new walk and that walk is called here in Romans chapter 6 verse 4 the walk of the new life, the newness of life. And those who have been baptized and do not identify themselves personally with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection are really nothing more than a baptized dead man. When God is calling us into a walk with Him, He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit as we found in Galatians chapter, six, uh, chapter 5 that we read 
and he's calling us into a walk, a new walk, a walk of newness of life because of his death, burial, and resurrection. And it comes by faith. Remember the... the um, that's too small for most of you to read, but from our hearts we believe. And it's more than just a simple belief. It is a, a full realization. Remember in the Truth Project, I, I loved that description. When he said that he asked the question, do you believe that what you believe is really real? And that's where we get to with this. It is more than a great idea. It is more than a perfect concept. By faith, we believe that Jesus really did die, that he really was buried, and that he really came forth from the grave. And by faith, we believe we were there with him and we identify with him. If our sins is not uh, covered by the blood of Jesus, my sins, if my sins did not stay in the grave, if I did not come forth with him in the power of the resurrection, then I am still a dead man. I'm not saying that we totally understand this. Again, it's a simple message, but we can believe it to be true in our life, and we must. We must identify in the death, burial, and the resurrection. Look at verse 4c again. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. When walking in the Spirit, God wants us to bear fruit. And that takes us back to Galatians chapter 5, of course, the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22. Remember with me, Jesus in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He calls us to abide with Him, and that, that abiding with Jesus Christ is the same thought as walking with God, walking with Christ, abiding with Him, communing with Him, spending your life with Him. And Jesus is saying, when you abide with me, you will bear fruit. You will bear more fruit. You will bear much fruit. And again, when we're walking in Canaan, hand in hand with God, are we focusing on the giant's or the grapes. God is calling us to bear fruit. Now Jesus makes it really clear in John chapter 15 that it's not our fruit. That we cannot produce fruit. In fact, he contradicts that idea completely when he said, as a branch, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. And that word bear in John chapter 15 to bear fruit, King James Version, that, that simply, that does not mean to produce fruit. It simply means to carry fruit or to bring it forth. And so Jesus is saying, you cannot bear, you cannot, I'm sorry, you cannot produce your own fruit. We are not capable of it. But He is saying that He wants to use your life and mine to carry His fruit or to bring forth His fruit. 
And that's what I see with the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. So, in verses 16... Well, specifically 19 through 21, it's talking about the fruit of the flesh. These are the works of the flesh, and it gives a, quite a list. So if we're walking in the flesh, we're going to bear that type of fruit. But when we walk in the Spirit, we're going to bear the fruit of the Spirit, verses 22 and 23. Again, when I was thinking about this message, began to put it together, I started going through the scriptures, looking up multiple passages that has to do with walking with God, our walk with God. And there are so many. I, I stopped at, I think I wrote down 15 different passages. Today we've covered two. Galatians chapter 5, Romans chapter 6. And didn't really even begin to touch on those two. You know, the Bible says that Enoch walked with God. And that's really all we know about Enoch. Or at least I, I don't know any more about Enoch. Just simply, he walked with God. God is calling us this morning to first and foremost, come to the river of Jordan. Submit your life to Jesus Christ and identify with Him and His death, burial, and resurrection. And thus comes the promise of the Holy Spirit which will walk with you and never leave you. God is calling us to that river Jordan for our salvation. But to continue, He's calling us to cross into the land of Canaan. He wants to walk with us as he did with Enoch. My dad also had to learn to walk three times. It's kind of ironic. Most of you will only have to learn to walk twice as a toddler and your walk with God when you submit your life to Jesus. My dad was born in 1932, and I suppose he was learning to walk at a year or so years old. And then um, in 1950, he submitted his life to Jesus, was baptized, and he began his walk with God. And I thank God for that this morning for my parents' commitment to God at an early age. Then when dad was about 85, he lost his leg, and his last couple of years he walked with a prosthetic. And he had to learn to walk all over. He became discouraged. He couldn't walk as fast. You know, at 85, I thought he, <clears throat> excuse me, I thought he did pretty well. 
but he was discouraged because he couldn't get there as fast. And I remember myself, ironically, I remember having to help him. He would lean on me at times. And of course, flashbacks would come from that scene when I was eight. He was helping me. I don't know why God designed it that Dad and I would have to learn to walk three times. There's a lot of lessons that I've learned from that. But as he began to lean on me and others, and I, began, I tried to encourage him and help him physically and, and emotionally, the lesson that I want from that in closing is as we walk with God, we do have times when we become discouraged, weak, tired. And in that, we need each other. We need to help each other. We need to encourage each other, assist each other, sometimes pick each other up in our walk with God. May the Lord bless you in your walk with Him, whatever stage of the journey that you're on. Whether you're on a mountaintop today or whether you're down in the valley, may the Lord bless you. May His Spirit come very near to you as you walk in the Spirit and as you live in the Spirit, be led of the Spirit and walk in newness of life. I think Ken has a microphone back here. If there's anyone here that cares to give testimony of what the Lord has done for you in your journey, or if someone wants to confess, whatever, I think it would be good if you would make motion and Ken will bring you a mic so that we can all hear. And lunch won't be ready for just a little bit, so there's time. I know a lot of you have, every one of you has a story. I've shared some of mine, not all of it, but we'd be glad to hear. I think God receives glory, and we actually used to do more of this I remember in our old sanctuary, and a lot of you could have things that you could offer to encourage someone else their walk with God if, if you care to. I want to share something for the younger people. Um, this message touched me a little bit. I remember be, sitting where the young people sat, where I worshipped, and I remember hearing the old people talk about when they accepted the Lord 40 years ago, and I thought they were old and out of touch, and I share Bart and I are similar age, and it really touched me that he's up here, and I'm watching somebody I grew up with say he's walked with the Lord longer than a lot of you have been alive. I want to tell you something that as we grew up, we had older brothers and sisters that helped us walk this walking with God. And when you're learning to walk, you stumble and you fall. And we had older people that picked us up. Bear with us 
as we go through this because our generation are still learning how to be that generation to you. And if we're failing, we pray that you will help us to learn how to show you the blessings because we need to grow together that God is faithful and for 40 years he has been faithful. So let's don't have a generation gap here and help us to be able to share with you because I think we're becoming more and more disconnected with technology and some of us don't understand it like you do. And we may not be doing what we should to share with you what God has done for us. Let's help each other, and Bart mentioned that, but I just wanted to reiterate, this is the first time we've walked this age group, too. Getting older, Ivan. Thank you for that, Ivan. You know, just the simple fact that God called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, and now we are called to walk in the light. Every one of you have experienced that, that have given your life to Christ. Walking with God is very spiritual at times, but walking with God is also very practical most of the time. A bare little testimony to my life. I, uh, I've learned to walk three times in my life. Not all of them are physical. Just one of them is really physical. Uh, when I was one or two years old, my parents never told me how old I was when I started to walk, but I probably didn't get into stuff like Bart did. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the second time I learned to walk, I was baptized, and I felt like that I had uh, received the call of God to, to live a life for him. But what I found out was that I was just crawling. I wasn't going anywhere much. And about 20 years ago, I learned to walk again. I was, uh, went to a uh, weekend retreat type of thing and found out that, that there was people that loved me that I didn't think could love me, and I'm so grateful for that. They actually taught me what, how I should walk with, with Jesus. And from that time on, I have had a very close walk with him. I want to tell all of us that, that God is always calling and he's always faithful. And as we grow older, we find that our walk becomes closer and closer. So I thank Jesus for what he did for me in my walk. Thank you. Good testimony. It's one thing I wanted to mention is though I started my third walk at 20 years old, I'm still learning. Still learning how to walk. We grow. Anyone else?
don't really want to. I don't really want to do this. Uh, maybe this will be a little bit of a testimony and a confession, both. But my experience, you know, well, first of all, you think, well, why should I talk? My life's not been, I don't have anything great to say. But on the other hand, if we can be an encouragement to others. So I, we've had hard places in our life, just like everyone. And sometimes when we look back, we see that God was there. We don't always see it at the time. And, but probably the one thing that maybe will encourage someone else is just the fact that we have some rotten fruit in our lives. And so often we look at our lives and we think, we look at our own lives and instead of looking at the Lord Jesus who is so willing to forgive us, we look at our own lives and we become discouraged because we see what our lives are like and we think, does the Spirit really dwell with me? But I'm just here to give testimony that even if there's some of that in your life and you're working on it, God is so faithful to forgive and to lift you up. And that's been my experience. I just praise his name. We, we began this morning before Sunday school with that hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And God, that's one thing we can count on. God is faithful. And when we wander off the path, he brings us back. Anyone else care to share? Well, I just would like to say the walk is not always easy when we choose to walk with God. I was reminded earlier, thinking earlier about the message that we heard at Christmas, that Mary was highly favored among women, but she had a lot of pain to bear being chosen. And then it also made me think about, about four years ago at Pella, Iowa, Dallas talked. And of course he has a way of presenting things that only Dallas does. But he talked about how we, when we get started, we kind of put God in the trunk. He was likening everything to cars. And we put God in the trunk. And it doesn't work out too well. So pretty soon we invite him to be in the car with us. Maybe even the passenger seat. But it's not until we let him take the wheel. He had a remote-controlled car that he just crashed it off of the table on the stage. That we, we go in the ditch. And... It's just a, has always, I've, I've just always thought that. We've, we've had a lot of valleys in our lives, and when we look back on it, so many blessings came from those valleys. Sounds real.
I don't want to detain you, but there's time for one more. You may be the one. Okay, why don't we rise to our feet and um, Tom Moeller, would you have closing prayer and include a meal?